Session 49 of the Law of One. In this first part, we're going to talk about the brain and polarity. Let's begin. We really have a mixed session here, and this first part is going to reflect just that. And to add to the mixture of topics, I'm going to have a little bit of a longer introduction. So if you're interested in going right away into the session, just as always, check the chapters or the segments that I have down here um, or over here, I think, too and you can skip into the first question that I have. But I want to talk about a couple of things that I, if you're perceptive enough, you have noticed that I try my best to match the topic of the video with the appropriate song name from my friend from Dream State Logic, Colby. And this is one of them. I, I always think about it and I never mention it, but this is one of them talking about uh, negative space, as you know, uh, is the name of this music that you're listening in the background. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's related to the polarity that we're going to talk about because there is, there is always the negative that we don't talk about, right? And that's that negative um, energy that we have. So we're going to get into that. Now, more directly into the video, part of the introduction that I rarely cover is um, the comments. Now I'm specifically talking about the session 49, the commentary that Jim and Carla did for each and one of those sessions where they had material from uh, session uh, from the session itself. Now, remember, you should be aware of this at this point. There were the original books that were four, and they were published in the 80s. And then there was the 1996, I believe, book five that came out with several personal questions, things that they took out from the sessions. And so we have split the sessions between the original books and book five. This was all um, reunited with the re-listen version and the raw contact, which is what I use here for the slides and that's why I obviously put everything from book five and uh, the session so it's all merged together and this is an effort that was done by Toby Wheelock who did the realism version and so on so all right you know you should know that story if not that's the brief of it um, in any case there are commentaries on each of the segments that they uh, they included in book five before they put the questions just to you know, it's a nice addition to it. I never read this, but I thought this was interesting because Jim talks about a couple of things that I think are important, and I don't really make the connection in one of the um, one of the things that he mentions here. Actually, I do think I make the connections, but it's kind of loose, so I just want to talk about that. And this is referring always about the questions. So say in session 49, Jim and Carla are going to talk about the session itself and those specific questions um, that they didn't put in the original books. So you can see why I'm mentioning all of this. So it makes sense. Now, Jim starts, and I'll just read it. I didn't put it on a slide, but uh, I'll read it directly. Jim says in his commentary in the book, book five, I was the one of the three of us most interested in querying about my own experiences. Having once also been a conspiracy buff, this may be understandable as the result of an overactive and overdramatic curiosity. Questions about Carla were always of a maintenance nature, trying to figure out the best way to keep her physical vehicle running smoothly or at least running in some cases, and done seldom queried about himself at all. The following comments by Ra amplify the sacramental function that sexual intercourse can fulfill in one's journey of seeking the truth. With the proper balance of mind and body, uniquely determined for each entity, 
the orgasm can serve as a kind of triggering mechanism that activates the spirit complex and serves as a kind of shuttle and which can with which then can allow the entity to contact what Ra calls intelligent infinity so this is in um, in essence first there is Jim acknowledging the question um, of him always asking about himself in in certain aspects and he kind of like puts it together with him being a uh, conspiracy theorist which is what we know now is all of us <laughs> Uh, especially if you um, if you believe the raw material at any extent you have to be in the conspiracy theories uh, everybody's a conspiracy theorist actually I've always said that you know if you believe that the government is not doing the best for you then you are a conspiracy theorist because that's not what the official narrative says you know the official narrative says that you know the government does their best and you know they're just dumb people that we put there and <laughs> we know that's a story um, or at least most people. There are some people who are definitely not conspiracy theorists, and they do believe that the government and you know everything is um, everything is as portrayed. So um, Jim seemed to have had a sort of past in terms of being a conspiracy theorist, and he attributes that to, or he attributes his interest or curiosity about his experiences to this uh, what he calls an overactive and overdramatic curiosity. Um, that's those are his words and then he talks about the um, the the question itself that was excluded from the session and put into book five which was about sexual energy transfer and that's the first one that we're gonna cover when we get into the material so um, there is um, there is more that he says and I'll read it I'll just finish it up he says the pertinent information in quotes Concerning the frontal lobes portion of the brain that Ra speaks of concerns the fact that no one knows for sure what that part of the brain is for. All of the qualities that make us humans being human beings are accounted for in the rear five-eighths of the rep reptilian and mammalian brain. Pioneer thinkers studying this portion of the brain have posited that possibility the possibility that the frontal lobes are dormant in most people and may be activated by removing the various blockages in the lower energy centers which childhood experiences have been placed there in accordance with pre-incarnative choices of lessons for the incarnation. When these blockages have been removed, that is, lessons have been learned, then the frontal lobes may in some degree be activated and a quantum leap in consciousness may be experienced for various lengths of time usually quite short except in the cases of genuine yogis, saints and mystics. This is the theory. However, Jim is still looking forward, shall we say. I like that he puts himself himself like in the third person. <laughs> so this is concerning uh, the questions that are going to come out that we're going to cover of course in this um, in this video and um, that's it you know it, it's it's all about the um, uh, the brain and that's why I titled this kind of like the brain and polarity it should be the polarity of the brain rather um, so in any case what's interesting here is that and I, I want to make this part of the introduction of course is to keep in mind that um, I'm going to return to this when we talk about this this question but is the the usage that we have of the brain because the brain is always there you know it's just our consciousness how it what part of the brain uses and how it 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 navigates reality through the constant activation of these um, uh, of these parts of the brain and how they are related to the energy centers energy centers being a measure of course of our perspective of consciousness or our lens in which we use consciousness to see the world so we're gonna get into that finally I'm just gonna mention you know for just to um, wrap up the conspiracy theory parts which I think I thought it had something to do with Jim asking about it but I think he just mentioned it to uh, just to mention you know that he was a conspiracy theorist or he was interested in these things. Um, 
there's a lot to talk about this and you can see that I myself have been involved in this sort of um, analysis and understanding of reality and it wasn't until I got into the law of one and I thoroughly understood or the most I could the Orion group and how it works and then uh, tied this into the totality and um, the non-polarity or non-dual way of looking at life that you realize that all the conspiracy theorists there are the there is always a lot of truth to them and that's something for us to explore but it i can see where it lends into the fear mongering and in back into the feedback loop <laughs> you see of creating more more fear more um uh, just the uh paranoia and all these things i mean it, it goes back to you know you're supposed to learn this so you can transcend it and people go in loops in the inside this and i i usually see this a lot too with suppress history which again is something that we have learned in the raw material and it's like okay now i understand it has been a cover-up because um i don't like to say the world wasn't ready for this although we may say it but i'd rather say you know this wasn't relevant this this is not i mean we didn't need it we never needed it actually we don't need it right now people right now think that there is you know the need for free energy and you know what we can benefit we can benefit from all you know the what they call disclosure of all the technology we've had and so on but we don't need it you know we may benefit we don't need it it's like you may benefit with having more money but you don't need it you see it's where you put your needs that you're putting your attachments and so you know th this gets into very mystical discussions so i don't want to get into that but i did want to mention you know the because jim mentioned conspiracy theorists and there that's that's huge right now because the unveiling process that is going in the world is um it's revealing all of this it's almost like you know literally the veil is opening and so people are looking you know in awe and with drama of all the things that were you know all the all the dust that we um we we sweep over under the carpet now we lifted the carpet and we see all the roaches and all the dirt and fungus and things that were growing there and everybody is you know traumatized and hey i guess they should be you know there's a lot of people who were unaware of this and now there is a lot of people who've been saying you know oh i said it i said it look at this you know i've been mentioning all this time you know look at me look at me um <laughs> you know i have nothing against people like that but they they may tend uh they may lend themselves also to um to create more fear more paranoia and i i know of many people i don't want to mention names but i used to follow these people and you know for disclosure and all this stuff and you can see how they're still kind of instigating people to fear as opposed to know themselves and hey i'm biased here because i i live to help others to show others you know the way of harmony and uh, non-dualism and what we call spiritual evolution so don't blame me that's just me i'm doing my job here <laughs> so that's it all right now we can finally go into the first question and i need this up we have the second question from this the first question was always actually i'll read it would you please first give us a reading on the instrument's condition and ross says it is as previously stated uh, you gotta go into session 48 and remember exactly what they said but you know carlo is still kind of low in physical energy i believe it was but again not relevant question two this is what we're getting here don says thank you i have a question here from jim first he says for the past nine years i have had what i call frontal lobes experiences in the pre-consciousness state of sleep just before i wake up in the morning they are a combination of pleasure and pressure 
which begins in the frontal lobes and spreads in pulses through the whole brain and feels like an orgasm in my brain. I have had over 200 of these experiences and often they are accompanied by visions and voices which seldom make much sense to me. What is the source of these frontal lobes experiences? So this is what Jim was talking about in his um, uh, um, preface of this, this session. Ross says, we scanned the questionnaire, that would be Jim, and find some pertinent information already available, which regards the physiological disposition of this particular part of the brain. The experiences described and experienced are those distillations, which may be experienced after a concentration of effort upon the opening of the gateway or indigo mind complex, so that experience of a sacramental or violet ray may occur. So um, there's not much to lay in as a foundation here. So we're just going to keep reading. But first I wanted to mention, um, usually they say we scan the questionnaire and that would be done. But in this case, remember the question was done by Jim. So they say we scan the questionnaire and that was Jim uh, and find some pertinent information already available with regards to physiological disposition of this particular part of the brain. So they are seeing a predisposition um, of that is that's what available uh, they say already available uh there was a predisposition in his physiology for this particular uh experience because of his brain the experiences this is pre-incarnation of course um the experiences described and experience are those distillations which may be experienced basically you know these are experiences that you have uh remember Jim laid the foundation of this asking, you know, uh, or saying rather that these are sort of like mystical experiences that you may have, you know, and this is, you have it when you have um, the, um, um, your brain, I'm thinking about psychedelics and I'm just going to mention a couple of things in a, in a minute, but uh, you have these when, um, when you're not concentrated in anything else, but in uh, the indigo ray which is you know unity non-dualistic um perception and so on so this is when you have a concentration there that's why a lot of people say when you're meditating try to focus on your third eye i don't know how you know uh, useful that is or how uh, uh triggered that may be but in any case you know people do that people say that and i don't know I just don't know, but that's that's why they tell you that. Now, in terms of uh, psychedelics, I'm not sure if one of the things that they have observed in recent research is an overactivation of the frontal lobes, which kind of makes sense, and that's why they say that psychedelics uh, cause ego death. If anything, it's just you know reducing the activity in the survival um, or it's uh it's kind of focusing on that frontal lobe i believe it is don't quote me on this but i think this is why you know people usually report mystical experiences because they were forced into the state i just recorded a video about psychedelics and meditation go watch it i think it's really uh relevant to this if you're interested in these topics and i went thorough thoroughly for like over a uh, half hour to discuss you know my understanding being somebody who has experienced psychedelics uh, quite a couple of times and uh, am into a discipline of spiritual practice or meditative practice. And so I decided to cover this in a video. Go watch it. So, yeah, this, uh, this happens. And this is, this is what Jim's talking about, the, um, the activation of this frontal lobe and how it works and all these things. Now, Ra's gonna keep talking about it. And they say, these experiences are the beginnings of that which as the body, the mind and the spirit become integrated at the gateway or indigo level, may then yield not only the experience of joy, but the com comprehension of intelligent infinity, which accompanies it. Thus the body complex orgasm and mind complex orgasm become integrated may then send forth the proper gateway for the spiritual complex integration and its use as a shuttle for the sacrament of the fully experienced presence of the one infinite creator. 
Thus, there is much to which the questioner may look forward. So, this is, you know, in general, just talking about the experiences of have, basically having a mystical experience, which is, it becomes quite common. And um, it, the more you are into a lifestyle that reflects that seeking that you're, uh, that you're having, and also you keep integrating these experiences into yourself, and not simply as something that happened to me, you know, as opposed to something that I generate, something that I am able to produce. The more you uh, accept yourself that way, then the more everything's going to be. That, that's why, you know, over time, anything is just blissful because you can see the mystical side of it. You can see the beauty of it. That's probably the best word we can use for, for generalization looking at the beauty of everything there is beauty in everything you know in a junkyard if you pay uh, attention closely you can see the beauty in a junkyard in anything you know this is why in buddhism you know it's funny but it's true you know uh when asked about you know what's the true nature of the buddha people would grab you know or monks or roshis or masters gurus they would just say oh you know this uh nail clipper or you know this uh, cat uh, the dead the, um, the head of a dead cat cat um, a pile of turd whatever you know Buddha's nature is everything because you can see the beauty in everything so um, this is in, in essence you know what I'm, I'm taking out of this but I'll read again what Ra says these experiences are the beginnings of that which as the body the mind and the spirit become integrated at the gateway or indigo level so you know, there is an integration of all the, the components of yourself, the, uh, the apparent separation of yourself with the body, the mind, and the spirit. They become merged. May then yield not only the experience of joy, but the comprehension of intelligent infinity, which accompanies it. So the experience of joy is what you feel, but the understanding also of what intelligent infinity is, and that is, you know, what we can never describe. You know, we can describe the, the joy, but we can never describe, you know, intelligent infinity, because that's just... Um, a comprehension, you know, it's a, it's a real, you know, uh, internal thing. Thus the body complex orgasm and mind complex orgasm become an integrated, may then send, set forth, and this is why some people say, you know, I felt this energy, it was like a sexual energy, because they feel the orgasm of, and it's not, you know, a physical, like say, like uh, sexual intercourse or masturbation, where you feel you know, the energy accumulated there. It's almost like the energy of the orgasm just feels across the whole body and the whole um, the whole spine. And you feel as, I mean, I've had it and it really is. I mean, I've never had an orgasm like that in in my, my sexual life uh, and, and my experiences. It really is like an energy that is pulling your whole, uh, uh, your whole spine into a contraction or a, it really is it's it's indescribable to be honest and so you know this is the body complex orgasm and the mind complex orgasm it's kind of similar to a, a sexual orgasm so they become integrated made then sent forth the proper gateway for spiritual complex integration which is again you know now it's the spirit which is always an orgasm <laughs> the spirit the spirit is always orgasmic and is only waiting for this union between the body and the mind uh, of the fully experienced presence of the one infinite creator. I mean, <laughs> I can't say it in better words than that, you know. You're experiencing the presence of the one infinite creator. That is what you are. That ecstasy that you're feeling right there, that's what you are. Thus, there is much to which the questionnaire maybe look forward. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Infinite. So, again, um, this is something that it's, I mean, it, it really escapes my vocabulary to explain the feeling that you get you know when you have these experiences um i think like i said in my video in uh, about psychedelics and meditation practice that um you um you can achieve this i mean psychedelics will show you that will give you an intense experience to show you like this is what you can accomplish you know and you can, you don't have to have this intense experience. You can uh, prolong it over your life, 
you know, in your day to day, it's just, go watch it. I think I, I, I talked enough about that there. So let's go into the next question. Uh, we're done. Says to Jim, did you have any addition to that question? I guess Jim said no. And so uh, Don says, okay. And then Don says to Ra, I was wondering in a previous session, you had mentioned the left and right ear tones. If the left and the right brain were somehow related to the polarities of service to self and service to others, could you comment on this? Ra says, we may comment on this. <laughs> so uh, Don says, well, please, will you go ahead and comment on it? <laughs> oh, you gotta love Ra. Ah, oh, he's a rascal. Rascal. <laughs> Get it? All right, let's go. Question four. Uh, <laughs> rascal says, the lobes of your physical complex brain are alike in their use of weak electrical energy. The entity ruled by intuition and impulse is equal to the entity governed by rational analysis when polarity is considered. The lobes may both be used for service to self or service to others. Okay, so this is a really fascinating topic because we're talking about the brain and how we say, well, I'm left uh, brain oriented, you know, I'm right uh, brain oriented, the feminine and the masculine, uh, you know, light and uh, love and, you know, that kind of stuff, wisdom, love. This is um, regardless of gender, biological gender, everybody has a balance or a potential balance between the two. You can see that, of course, my development has been into the left brain, what Ra calls the rational analysis. That is the logical side of the brain. And there is the um, intuitive part. That would be the right one. The impulse, the intuition and impulse, that would be the right one. Um, they, Don is actually, actually, I should have mentioned this. Don is asking about those questions that he asked before about hearing a tone on the left and hearing a tone on the right and being negative and positive and so on. Uh, so he wanted to question the nature of that. And so Ra gives us a really good answer here when they say, you know, that they, both lobes are alike in that they use weak electrical energy. That's the, the energy that we use for uh, for this, for for the the interface in which we uh, interact with reality, with uh, with the illusion of reality, and so um, they are the same, and they can actually they both can be used for service to self or service to others. So you know there is something that Ron's going to mention here, but there is usually the association that left masculine wisdom logical side of uh, of thinking and being is negative and then there is positive and they we associate this you know we can say that up is positive and down is negative does that mean that we need to live in the sky no it doesn't you know we are associating moral and ethical polarities to other type of polarities so we, we can do that and so there is an association with you know the positive Actually, the positive would be, you know, the left side and the negative would be the right side. So in any case, you know, we think that, you know, this is associated with negative. This is with positive. And Ra is saying, you know, they can both be used for positive and negative polarities in terms of ethical, uh, ethical polarity, which is ethical polarity means service to self or service to others. That's that's polarity right there. Ethical, not moral. That's a different one. So. Ra says, it may seem that the rational or analytical mind might have more of a possibility of successfully pursuing the negative orientation due to the fact that in our understanding, very humble of them, too much order is by its essence negative. However, the same ability to structure abstract concepts and to analyze experiential data may be the key to rapid positive polarization. It may be said that those whose analytical capacities are predominant have somewhat more to work with in polarizing. I have a couple of interpretations to make here, especially at the end. But first, yes, it may seem that when somebody is very analytical 
and likes rationalizing things and understanding and connecting dots and uh, looking at patterns and things like that, you may be more prone to polarizing towards the negative. And in this case, we're talking about polarizing towards the negative and ethical uh, polarity, which I mentioned is service to self and service to others. Service to others is positive, service to self is negative. That's simply the connotation that we give it. We can switch it and be the same thing. We just know what it means, okay? We're just assigning, you know, a plus and a negative and um, for a positive and a negative, you know, signs to anything. You know, it really it's just it, words are words. Words are wind, <laughs> as Martin would say. So, um, we're looking at the polarization, ethical polarization, which is service to self. And that may be possible because the service to self is concerned with control, with uh, ordering, new world order. We want to order things. There is always fear. Fear is the driving force of self service to self. How is there fear in government? in monarchies, in religion, because there is always the fear that somebody might take your place. I mean, bring it down to a, I love the Vikings, um, there's a Vikings show that you should be familiar with. And the Vikings had, you know, the system of, I mean, I'm just using the Vikings, any, any other, um, say, village that had a sort of jarl, like the Vikings had, or a governor or a king, you know, in his, in a small village, you can see that there's always the fear that somebody's going to challenge you and you're going to lose your position. So you become you know, the most fearful person you can be, or um, yeah, the most dominant person and intimidating. So, you know, like Alan Watts says, you know, you're the biggest crook in, of the bunch. You are the one that is afraid of everybody. This is why the you know the throne and um, even the the altar in in churches are placed almost against the wall because you know you don't want anybody and you have people surrounding you because that way you know nobody can stab you in the back and you're always having people kneel in front of you. This is the the, the type of fear that is generated you know by negative polarized people and that is because they need control. They need order and structure. Structure, you know, tells people where they belong and it kind of uh, smooths out the possibility of treachery and all this stuff. So this is really what, you know, order means. Now the intellect, of course, can be used more. It's more useful for this type of work than, you know, the, the creative and the, you know, the kind of like impulsive and intuitive one because Intuition might tell you, you know, you can't trust intuition when you're afraid. You know, when you're afraid, you're only looking at, you know, uh, what what's in, I mean, that's probably wrong to say, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, you can't trust your natural intuition of, you know, impulses and things like that. Oh, I'm just going to go on a whim, you know, for this. And you want to have as much order as possible. And that's why they say that there is the possibility of the intellect becoming more um, more helpful, helpful for um, negative polarizing entities. But they say that, however, this same ability to structure abstract concepts and to analyze experiential data may be the key to rapid positive polarization. The more you can analyze, of course, you know, this may take longer, but it is, you know, if that's your tool, and it certainly is mine, that's why I'm sitting here <laughs> and I'm kind of analyzing the raw contact, um, it, it helps you to understand reality, you know, it can help. So it may be said that those whose analytical capacities are predominant have somewhat more to work with in polarizing. This is my interpretation down here when they said this, because um, I, I'm i not sure, help me with this one in the comments if you can, uh, because this may mean that you have more to work with, meaning that you have more work to do with, you know, uh, with this type of mentality for polarizing, or that you have more tools to work with for polarizing, as opposed to just, you know, letting your heart guide you. 
where you can get into trouble. And that's why uh, we're going to get into the next part, which is going to cover that part. But I think I covered the left brain, the uh, intellect, or the logical, rationale uh, brain. Now, Ra says, the function of intuition is to inform intelligence. In your illusion, the unbridled predominance of intuition will tend to keep an entity from the greater polarizations due to the vagaries of intuitive perception. As you may see, these two types of brain structure need to be balanced in order that the net sum of experiential catalysts will be polarization and illumination. For without the acceptance by the rational mind of the worth of the intuitive faculty, the creative aspects which aid in illumination will be stifled. This is really important. This mentions a couple of things. First, we're finalizing the part of the right brain now, or the, the intuitive. They're not saying left, right. That's us. We gave that to. So, again, this is all a, um, a human concept. But I think it has its, uh, its foundation. In any case, the function of the intuition is to inform intelligence. So if you don't have intuition well, if what's informing your intelligence is mostly the intelligence of other people, then we get into the same paradigm of uh, mostly what's happening or was happening. I don't know what's going on right now. I can't say. <laughs> but I think it's still happening. The kids are informing each other in terms of adult uh, conversations meaning that they don't talk about their parents, uh, they don't talk to their parents about sexuality or drugs or alcohol or, you know, activities or any other sort of stuff that has been repressed in our society because, you know, kids need to live in a fantasy world. <laughs> so this is not talked and plus it's very uncomfortable for parents to talk about this stuff with kids. So um, I'm not judging anybody, but I think we need to be a little bit more honest with our kids and take them out of the Cartoon Network uh, mentality <laughs> or fantasy world. So, you know, it, it goes into the same idea. You have to have your intuition inform your intellect. You need to allow that. Otherwise, you're going to be, of course, impressed upon the intellect of other people. And guess what? There is a lot of intellectual people out there who are willing to put their... Um, their thoughts in, in you. They want to inseminate your mind with their thoughts. That's exactly what, um, let's say, the elite is doing and has been doing for a long time. I covered this in the Kibalion when I talked about um, gender, uh, the mental gender and how there is the, the mental, uh, I think it's the M, part of the I am, the way they describe it. This is not, you know, non-dual <laughs> I am, although it's similar. But there is the, it's basically people telling you what to do, subliminally, you know, and, and you just just go with it. So in any case, um, this is why intuition is so important. However, they, they do say that, you know, an entity, um, um, in your illusion, the unbridled predominance of intuition, which is a lot of people, a lot of people are into the, um, the this is the impression the impressed upon people who they they simply believe anything you know they're uh, they're naive they're uh, they're easily um, um, what's the word I'm looking for they uh, I don't know they they're easily impressed upon this is you know uh, tend to keep the entity from greater polarizations due to the vagaries of intuitive intuitive perception. You gotta have, you know, some sort of order in your intuition. Otherwise, you're just gonna live pretty um, uncertain of things, and you're gonna have people impress their ideas on you. So there's a balance here. There's a balance. You know, that's what they say at the end. As you may see, these two types of brain structure need to be balanced in order that the net sum of experiential catalysts will be polarized, polarization and illumination. You are in control now of your own perception, basically, intuition and intellect. <laughs> you trust your intuition, and you believe in your intellect. That's it. For without the acceptance by the rational mind of the worth of the intuitive faculty, the creative aspects which aid in emulation will be stifled. We need to allow for intuition to inform our intellect. I mean, I can go on for a while on this, but that's not the point. 
So Ra continues and says, there is one correspondence between right and left and positive and negative. The web of energy which surrounds your body contain, contains somewhat complex polarizations. The left area of the head and upper shoulder is most generally seen to be a negative of a negative polarization, whereas the right is a positive polarization, magnetically speaking. This is the cause of the tone's meaning for you. So that's the, that's a long answer for what Don asked about the positive and negative tones that he would hear on the left and the right side. Um, it's a very general thing that they say it here. The web of energy which surrounds your body composite contains somewhat complex polarization. Somewhat complex polarizations is just, to me it's not like, you know, the whole side, left side of your body is negative and the whole right side is positive. Everything works in vortices and I think the yin-yang symbol uh, summarizes this pretty well. You know, it's um, it's not like you have just one little vortice, uh, vortex of, um, say, positive on the left and negative on the right. It's all around and it's a very intricate complex of... You know, it's mostly negative, mostly positive, but there are positive, you know, and there are negatives on this side too. So it's, you can get the picture. I hope telepathically I'm drawing the picture in your mind. Um, so yeah, the left area of the head and upper shoulder is most generally seen to be of a negative polarization, whereas the right is a positive polarization, magnetically speaking. I don't think I can add anything else there too. So. That's, uh, that covers Donald's question about the right and left uh, ear tones. Let's go on to question five. Don says, will you expand on the positive and negative man magnetic polarizations in general and how it applies to, say, individuals and planets, etc.? I think there is a correlation here, but I'm not sure. Really good question. Negative and positive magnetic polarizations and how they apply from individuals and planets. Let's see what Ross says here. Ross says, it is correct that there is a correlation between the energy field of an entity of your nature and planetary bodies. For all material is constructed by means of the dynamic tension of the magnetic field. The, line, the lines of force in both cases may be seen to be much like the interweaving spirals of the braided hair. Thus, positive and negative wing wind and interweave, forming geometric relationships in the energy fields of both persons, as you would call a mind-body-spirit complex and planets. All right, so I, I got to be honest, I don't think there's much I can describe here, because what Ra is sort of showing us is the intricacy of how positive and negative are interweave in the magnetic fields and what they call dynamic tension of the magnetic field. Um, the picture that I get here is that everything has these energies and they're, the way they are um, braided, like Ross says, is it's kind of, you know, I mean, they're saying so many words here. I can go on here speculating so much. But see, when they say positive and negative, wind and interweave forming geometric relationships in the energy fields of both persons, as you would call a mind-body-spirit complex, and planets. In essence, you know, positive and negative are winding together in geometric fashions to form relationships in the energy fields of persons and planets. This means if you have seen um, fractals, you will see this. You will see the intricacy of the playing together of geometric, uh, geometry that doesn't make much sense to us, geometry that doesn't seem to be applicable to anything because it seems to be organic, organic in mathematics. This is not you know, something that mathematics created. It's something that mathematics discovered. So if you, if you want to have an illustration, which is what I'm having in my mind, of how, how bodies, like just bodies in general, any matter that exists, any, any construct of light, of energy that exists as we call matter, is these uh, positive and negatives 
interweaved together to form these geometric, what do they call it, geometric relationships. You see, they're not even patterns, even though we can see patterns in fractals. Um, check it out. Check, I'll, I'll probably forget to put a link in the video, but go check a zoom in to a Mandelbro set. M-A-N-D-E-L-B-R-O-T. Mandelbro set. You're gonna find you're gonna find something. It is fascinating to see what we have discovered through math mathematics. This was in the '80s, and you can see this interrelationship that exists geometrically in um, in nature. This is all the universe is geometrical in that way, and so we can see this repeating over and over again. So. That's what Rai is describing here. I don't think I can get much here, but let's just keep reading. Um, positive and negative wine interweave form in geometric. Okay, I cover that part. The lines of force in both cases may be seen to be much like the interweaving spirals. You can see spirals there. There. Oh my God, this is so. Go check the Mandelbro set. Really, um, you can see the spirals there too. I mean, it's just fascinating. Uh, there's actually one fractal that is not the Mandelbro set. But is it's related to it? It's a fascinating topic. That's called uh, the seahorse. Check the the seahorse um, fractal. It spirals too, so <laughs> that's a faster way to see the spirals. All right. Rock continues and says the negative pole is the south pole, or the lower pole. The north or upper pole is positive. The crisscrossings of these spiraling energies form primary, secondary, and tertiary energy centers. You are familiar with the primary energy centers of the physical, mental, and spiritual body complex, secondary points of the crisscrossing of positive and negative center orientation revolve about several of your centers. The yellow ray center may be seen to have secondary energy centers in elbow, in knee, and in the subtle bodies, and at a slight spacing from the physical vehicle at points describing diamonds about the entity's navel area surrounding the body. All right, this is, <laughs> I really have no idea how um, to fully interpret all of this. I'm being fully honest. I mean, this is this goes beyond my understanding of, you know, the body and the, um, how the energy centers are connected to each other. I mean, I love what they say. First, okay, the negative pole is the south pole. That's you know, Malkuth, uh, Prana, you know, that um, upwards, um, upward spiraling energy. That's the South Pole. Um, and then the North Pole is the positive, that is the polarities of self. I love that phrase. Uh, the North Pole or the North Star, rather, the guiding star. Ra has a bunch of names for that. So that's the, uh, the descendant spiraling energy. So the crisscrossing of these spiraling energies form primary, secondary, and tertiary energy centers. So we know um, the primary, I'm not sure if they're talking about red, yellow, and blue, those would be primary, right? But then the secondaries would be, or the, no, they, this, this may be related to, you can see I'm guessing a lot here, uh, primary, secondary, and tertiary energy centers. Uh, I mean, there's so much to go here. I can probably even say that the primary are the lower ones being uh, red, red, uh, red, orange, yellow. Then the secondaries would be uh, green, blue, and then the tertiaries would be um, indigo and violet. But I don't think that's right, actually. Um, they do say you are familiar with the primary energy centers of the physical, mental, and spiritual body complex. We are familiar with the primary energy centers of the physical, mental, and spirit. Those, to me, are saying, again, like I said at the beginning, red, yellow, and blue. So, secondary points of the crisscrossing of the positive and negative center orientation. Oh, I think I see what they mean here. Now that I'm looking at, at it this way. The secondary points are crisscrossing of positive and negative center orientation revolve about your several, uh, about several of your centers. So that's why they go into, say, the yellow ray center. The secondary are, say, the elbows. The yellow ray center may be seen to have secondary energy centers in elbow, in knee, and in the subtle bodies. Not sure how that, at a slight spacing from the physical vehicle. Now we're getting together uh, astral bodies or subtle bodies or, you know, the, 
the different bodies that we have, which we covered recently. See, Ra is using the word subtle here, where before they talked about the true color bodies. And <laughs> you're adding into the mix of confusion, Ra. Why you do this? Um, at a slight spacing from the physical vehicle and points describing diamonds about the entity's navel around area around uh, surrounding the body. So this is like a photograph that I can't really describe. I'm trying to describe a tesseract in 3D. <laughs> this is all the bodies connected around the navel, I guess. I don't know. But I do, I can talk about the yellow ray center that may be seen to have secondary energy centers in elbow in knee. I know Scott Mandelker talked about like our appendices, legs and, and arms. They they describe also the same thing, meaning, you know, I think he called this first, then this second. So elbow would be second, um, just like knee would be second. Actually, it would be third. They have secondary. I'll, I'll repeat myself. This is first, uh, the, uh, the joint on the wrist. Second would be your forearm. Third would be your... Um, your your elbow so that's why they're secondary of the energy centers uh, the primary which is the yellow here the secondaries would be you know in the appendices would be this the knee and the elbow where you know the secondaries for red would be the ankle and the wrist and the secondary for the um for the primary or the third primary which which is blue would be uh the shoulder joint and the hip joint. So there we have, again, you know, red, yellow, blue, and those are secondaries. Now the tertiaries, I don't know. I don't know, I'm doing my best here. But, and I'm, I'm citing Scott Mandlocker, which I think is phenomenal. I always have a link in the description to go check out his class on the Law of One and in each session. So go watch it, I think. Everybody should be getting as much information about the Law of One if you're a student of the Law of One. Uh, if you're simply being entertained by me, then it's all fine. Just go with the <laughs> go with my my butcher description of the secondary and tertiary. So, in any case, this is one that requires much more than I can give. I apologize. But Ross says, continues, one may examine each of the energy centers for such secondary centers. Some of your peoples work with these energy centers and you call this acupuncture. Makes sense. However, it is to be noted that there are most often anomalies in the placement of the energy centers so that the scientific precision of this practice is brought into question. Like most scientific attempts at precision, it fails to take into account the unique qualities of each creation. See, acupuncture does play a role you know, with this because we're talking about the different points of pressure and you know in the body and that's why you get you know filled with needles i never had an acupuncture section uh, session but i think um i think i should get one i don't know just for the fun of it for for experience but yeah you know these um they they are i mean this is something that, it's interesting have you ever had it's a good question i hope you have you've had i don't know a strain in your body or something or you press a part of your body and then you feel like a, a needle sort of, you know, feeling in another part. It could be from, you know, you touch your shoulder and you feel something, you know, at your belly or something like that, your knees, something, your thigh, uh, and you can feel it some other place. I, I usually have it in my arms and um, not so much in my, sometimes in my legs. But you know that where you're pressuring, or where, where you're feeling pressure, is somewhere else and you're feeling at the same time an, an activation it's almost like you know boom both light bulbs are turned on together and that is the connection between all these things so of course acupuncture knows about this but it's uh, there's no scientific precision basically because everybody's different see and everybody has we have seven energy centers but guess what nobody is equal in their energy centers so you can't prescribe something for you know, take this, you know, pill for for your uh, Manipura chakra. <laughs> I'm sure some somebody's going to create that eventually because people love buying pills. The magic pill. I'm going to align my chakras. I have a treatment with pills that my guru 
at the at the corner suggested. <laughs> All right, Ross says the most important concept to grasp about the energy field is that the lower or negative pole will draw the universal energy into itself from the cosmos. Therefrom, it will move upward to be met and reacted to by the positive spiraling energy moving downward from within. The measure of an entity's level of reactivity is the locus where in the south pole outer energy has been met by the inner spiraling positive energy. I'm going to continue reading and then wrap it up. As an entity grows more polarized, this locus will move upwards. This phenomenon has been called by your peoples the Kundalini. However, it may better be thought of as the meeting place of cosmic and inner, shall we say, vibratory understanding. To attempt to raise the locus of this meeting without realizing the metaphysical principles of magnetism upon which this depends is to invite great imbalance. So they took the opportunity to talk about these. Um, they say, I think this is the, the crucial point. The most important concept to grasp about the energy fields of the entity, and this would be the earth as well, uh, is the lower, is that the lower or negative pole is drawing this prana. And this is just, you know, the, the mechanic or the, or the configuration of the entities. It's just working that way, more much like, um, uh, I don't know how to say it in English. A coil. Is that a coil? In electricity, like the coil? Yes. The coil that is revolving, it's creating, that's the mechanic of the coil to draw the energy, right? In the same way, we have a coil, if you will, that's drawing the energy from the uh, from the south pole. That would be the negative pole. And that's prana, the prana that is rising. That's the energy of the kundalini. But that energy is also being attracted by the north pole. And this is the nature of the Kundalini. I know I recorded a video in Spanish, but I didn't do it in English. I probably should about the Kundalini. Uh, people just asked for it and I was happy to make a video about it and explaining that concept. So um, this was, I explained all of this and how it moves up the, the energy by the seeker, the aspect of the seeker, which is consciousness where your consciousness lies, the meeting of these two. Do they say in, in this or in the other? Let's see. Therefrom, it will move upward to be met and reacted to by the positive spiraling energy moving downward from within. I like that. <laughs> they say moving downward from within. So we think when from within, we always think this, but then it's coming from up. This is because within is not within your body. Is within the beingness. Within the beingness, there is the creator. And so the creator is meeting this energy. And this would be the Kundalini rising. I'll explain a little bit of that when I go to the next part. So they say the measure of an entity's level of reactivity is the locus or the point where the South Pole uh, energy has been met by the positive energy. Let's put it that way. Uh, so I don't confuse more outer and inner and South and North and all this stuff, but it's simply the two meeting together. So as an entity grows more polarized, this locus will move upwards. What's happening is this. We have natural energy, okay? The experience is coming up, depending on our consciousness. And this is why blockages will keep you in the lower energy centers, looking at life with fear, repression, identity, ego, etc. If you're your creator is focused, that locus is down there. Well, guess what? You're gonna see life through that way and that's the Kundalini. Your point of meeting the Kundalini is there. Now, I'm not saying that you should raise, and this is what they say, you know, to attempt to raise the locus of this meeting without realizing the metaphysical principles of magnetism. The metaphysical principles of magnetism is polarization. That's polarization in the ethical sense of service to others and what this really means. You know, it's not an intellectual application of this. It is a uh, an understanding, a, re a true comprehension. I know Ra doesn't like this word, but I don't have any other word, Ra. Sorry. <laughs> um, of who you are. You know, what's, what's this all about? So, you know, when... Um, to invite, 
it's to invite great imbalance for sure to try to raise this by ignoring the lower energy centers and saying like oh no no, no i don't need those because I, i'm i'm all up here you know i want to raise the kundalini and so all of these things are going to invite into great imbalance because you need to work with your shadow you need to do your shadow work you need to accept your darkness and so on so um this is this just happened naturally you see this is where they say and look look at the words how they're phrased here as an entity grows more polarized this locus will this locus uh will move upwards this meeting point of the energies the north pole and the south pole will move naturally they don't say naturally but it will move upwards as you grow more polarized knowing yourself by knowing actually knowing the creation by knowing yourself this phenomenon has been called okay the kundalini however it may be better be thought of as the meeting place of cosmic and inner shall we say vibratory understanding cosmic means the world reality see it would be better be thought as the meeting place meaning your consciousness is the meeting place and reality is the cosmic and uh your consciousness your will this would rather be will is the inner seeking it's yourself where is yourself in terms of the cosmic uh, energy that is out there how do you see the world you get a hundred people you ask them how do you see the world you're going to get all different answers and you're going to see degrees of how they see the world is scary most people would say this because they have been remember how we talked about impression of the intellect upon intuitive people that's what's happening loving people which is the majority that's the best that's the beauty of this world that the majority of people who in fact let me let me say this especially since we talk about conspiracy theorists and they call people sheeple it's a derogatory term which is funny sometimes i have to admit you know people do act like sheeps uh, but sheeple, the nature of sheeple is because they're loving beings that have been, and I, I hope you can see it in, in the way I'm seeing it, or at least get close to it, because you have to see the beauty in people and how easily impressed they are. And guess what? They have been conditioned all their lives. So they're loving people for density, ready people that have been, you know, uh, deceived by smarter than them <laughs> people. I mean, I know I have been in the past, so I know how it feels. Uh, but mostly people who are sensitive to this stuff are the sheeple. So you see, you know, this is something that um, you you see in people that they they are impressed upon uh, this this view of the world, and they're all most of them are going to say, well, you know, the world is scary and terrible, and I'm going to die, and my I don't know, it's hunger, you know, and all this stuff, it's happening, and blah, blah, blah. And there are others who may say, you know, this is, this is the dream, I'm living the dream, you know. You can see that their locus is different, the meeting place of their consciousness. When it comes to reality, it's different. They have raised their kundalini naturally. It's not a forced thing. Wu Wei, the act of doing without doing <laughs> so uh we're gonna cover more kundalini in the next video which is question six because uh don is asking about that and i'm gonna leave it at this i think it's a good way to stop this video finish part one and part two is going to cover the kundalini itself so i'll talk more about that um and that will cover you know my lack of coverage of certain topics that I know I have discussed in my Spanish channel, they're not here, so hey, you got the Kundalini now. So that's all I got. Um, conclusions. Well, I think the most important part here was to realize a couple of things. You can you can tie in the discussion about the positive and negative um, nature of our brain, what that means, the intellect, the intuition, how they need to be together, and you need to balance them together you will realize in fact if you watch this video completely which you should otherwise why would you be here after an hour <laughs> um you will have naturally identified 
hmm, I'm more intellect oriented, I'm more intuitive oriented. If not, do some introspection, see where you are. It, it doesn't mean that you're 100% intellect, 100% intuitive. It means that you have a sort of imbalance. And that means that sometimes you may be more this way or more this way. So you can see where, you know, you're being too, um, remember the intuition doesn't know much wisdom, doesn't not, doesn't know much, uh, under, doesn't understand really. Intuition simply is, and that manifests as just, uh, just unconditional love, let's put it that way. Whereas the intellect is more wisdom, but the, for wisdom to be, actually for intellect to become wisdom, it needs to be informed by the intuition. It needs to be informed by love. Love light. That's what it means. Light love, love light. So understand that in you. Uh, you may be balanced. You may have some imbalances. You can work with this, of course. And this is part of who you are. Now bring that to what we discuss, which I think it was the most important part of this answer. Um, I'm sorry I can't really understand the uh, different nodal points of the energy centers and their tertiaries and stuff like that. I don't think that's relevant anyways. Maybe because I don't understand it, <laughs> being honest. Um, but yeah, uh, that's the point of this, um, um, of this question is the Kundalini. Knowing this, now you can uh, link it to the Kundalini uh, energy, which is something that rises naturally that grows naturally in you and you don't have to do anything you just have to be simply be and observe and live life and i guarantee you you know if you're looking to raise your kundalini for some reason it's only because it's natural that you want to evolution is pulling you the reason why you want to do things is because evolution is pulling you you know you are being forced by evolution you're being well i mean there is no other way you know it's like we can't stop the earth from rotating right that's just part of its evolution. So you're feeling this, that's fine. Just relax and watch yourself evolve because you're naturally doing it. You don't have to do anything to evolve. Um, just know yourself. In, you can only know yourself if you observe yourself. But if you are yourself, then you can't know yourself because you're already thinking that you are that. And that's why when people are asked, who are you? And they'll tell you, well, um, I'm me, you know, of course, don't you know I'm me? And you say, no, I don't, <laughs> just describe more who you are. Uh, this is the first koan in Zen Buddhism. You'll never be able to answer. All right, we're done with the first part. Thank you so much. Like I said, you know, I mentioned Scott Mandelker in the description, you can go watch that. I'll probably forget to put the video again in the description of the fractals, but go watch that. I think that's phenomenal. I may remember, go check. If not, then hey, it's not there. <laughs> and uh, lastly, uh, like, subscribe if you haven't, uh, share this with anybody that may like this type of uh, weird conversations on the Law of One. And if you want to support the channel, best way is always to share it. But you can also do it by contributing, donating, and I have the links in the description. It's not needed, it's just there for, um, for me. It is for me. Um, I am dedicating my life to this, as you know, and not just the law of one, just me being me. And this is one of the ways. Uh, I'll come up with more stuff in the future, but this is what I got so far. Thank you so much for being part of this. I'll see you in part two of session 49.